Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. All right, so let's go to Lisa on the law. So we had somebody call, uh, had somebody write in, but we were waiting for them to call in, but I guess they're not calling it. So I'm just going to go with the question. We're not going to give the name. Uh, Go ahead, Uh, Laura, what's the question? All right, it's uh, my mother recently passed away and she has left her real estate in Stratford to me. My brother signed the CT706NT. He's not disputing the will, so no hearing would be necessary. My mother left the remainder of her estate to both of us. What is left is the contents of her home. My brother is taking what he wants. There's no car, no bank accounts, and the bills have all been paid. Do I need to go through probate? Value of the house, maybe 3000 k Not sure. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So honestly, and this is the reason why I really prefer if you're going to have these kind of questions, you call because sometimes these uh, questions require me to ask you more questions to give you the right answer. Do you know what I mean? So, uh, all right, Laura. So let's break that down again. Read that slowly. One more time. All right. From the beginning, uh, my mother recently passed away and has mm-hmm. left her real estate in Stratford to me. Yeah, but she doesn't say how. So that's the first thing. When she says she's real, left the real estate in Stratford, query, does that mean she did it by a joint deed? Or does that mean that she just in a will said, I want my house to go to someone in Stratford? The difference is enormous magnitude. So the first question is, how did she do that? And I'm going to assume she did it by will for purposes of this. Keep going. Okay. My brother signed the CT706NT. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's meaningless. I don't even know what she means by that. Okay. That just, okay. Yeah. Uh, So no hearing. He's not disputing the will. So no hearing. that's good. That's nice. But that's okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. My mother left the remainder of her estate to both of us. Right. And that would be my by means of the will. Right. Okay. Uh, keep going. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is left is just the contents of her home. Right. My brother's taking what he wants. There is no car, no bank accounts, and the bills have all been paid. Mm-hmm. 
do I need to go through probate? What did she say about three thousand dollars? Three hundred thousand. The value of the house. Oh, maybe the house. The house. Three hundred thousand. Okay. So here's the answer, and this depends on that first issue. There are if you if you own something, if you own a real piece of real estate in your own name. How are you going to, I'm going to ask you rhetorically, how do you think that title to that real estate is going to get into your name if it's been left to you in a will? How? That's what probate is. That's what it does. Because it doesn't happen by magic. If you want to refinance that house, if you want to sell that house one day, if you, whatever reason, you need to assert ownership of that house. It belongs to you. The only way the deed can be in your name if it was in somebody else's name, is if the probate court issues what they call a certificate of devise, which is a fancy way of saying, here's a different way of giving you a deed. A certificate of devise, devise means bequeathing to somebody, the title to the house. And the only way that a probate court will issue a certificate of devise is if a house, as any other asset of an estate, passes through probate. So what does that mean? That means that you, I'm going to call you Susan. Susan, that means that you have to go ahead and file your PC-200, which is a form in which you disclose to the court, this is the immediate family, the next of kin of my mom. Here is her will and here, original will, and here is her death certificate. And because you and your brother are not fighting over it, you will accompany it by what we call a waiver, which is a signature at the end of the PC 200 that says that as the next of kin, uh, my brother and I do not object to the admission of the will. End of story. Then the will will get admitted on what we call waivers, which means that there's no problem. It gets admitted. And then you, if you're the executor, Susan, you have to file an inventory within 60 days, the 706NT within six months of the date of death. I'm glad that you got that done. A notice of claims, which is within five months of your becoming executor, you have to show if anybody has shown up to say, oops, mom owed me money. Hopefully not, or whatever debts there are, you already know. And then when that is done, you will say to the court, okay, I'm ready. I'm going to file a financial report and I'm going to show you that the asset that my mother left was this house worth approximately $300,000 and some tangible personal property worth a thousand bucks. Doesn't matter. Put, Put a number on it. You don't have to go get a personal property appraisal in most cases. Just leave it alone and assign a random value to it. And then you ask the court to approve that financial report and then issue the certificate of devise to you, Susan, as the person who was named in the will as somebody who your mother wanted to get the house. And that's how you do it. Because otherwise, there's no magic way. The only other way that you can leave somebody real estate, and this is frequently done, is if during their lifetime, they have taken that deed to the house and they have deeded it to themselves and you as joint tenants with the right of survivorship. And if that's the case, if you already have a deed that has your name on the deed and your mother has passed away, then you do not have to go through the rigmarole of, of, of uh, probate that I just told you. However, with that 706NT, you will request what we call a release of tax lien. And in 
and then you will record that release of tax lien on your land records at the town clerk's office. And when you record that, it essentially creates marketable title for you, Susan, to be able to refinance or sell that house. Because when your mother passed away, if you were also on the deed with her as joint tenant with right of survivorship, you now own the house as a matter of law. But owning the house as a matter of law is distinctly different than being able to sell or refinance it. It shouldn't be, but it is. Because any person who wants to buy the house from you or any bank that is willing to lend you money wants to make sure that you have clear title. And clear title means that there are no remnants of tax liens that may have attached to your mother's estate that still linger on the property. So when you file that 706 NT, and that's the reason people file it, you ask the probate court at the same time for a document that is called a release of tax lien. You record that release of tax lien on the land records, and then you own the property free and clear of any encumbrances. And you're good. You're good. So once again, to summarize, when you say that your mother left you the property, I need to know what do you mean by that? Did she leave it in a will? Or did she leave it by means of creating joint tenancy on the deed? If she left it by means of creating joint tenancy on the deed, then your 706 NT and a release of tax lien is all you need to do. All you need to do. And it's called affidavit of filing a will with no estate. And it's a form. Your probate court will tell you about it. You file the original will. It's called an affidavit of no estate with an affidavit that you do not need to go through probate, that the only asset that your mom had was this house and it's held in joint tenancy and you're good. Okay. And don't worry about the personal possessions. Nobody cares. When it comes to the other, if in fact your the house is still titled in your mother's name and the only way that you have it is by means of a will, then yes, you have to probate the will. The will has to be recognized in order to recognize the gift. You do have to go through what we call a a full estate where you'll be named executor. And then at the end of a few months, you will get a certificate of devise by the probate court and you will have the house. And that's the way it works. Okay. I hope I've answered your question. Uh, I really would prefer for Lisa on the law and I try and get people to do this that you call in because the exchange of information is much easier in terms of giving you the right result. But I hope if you're listening, you have a more complete understanding of how to gift real estate. 203-333-9422. We'll be right back. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right, let's go to the phones. Laura, who do we have? 
We have Donna from Stratford. Hi, Donna from Stratford. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you, Lisa. Congratulations on your new grandmahood. Thank you. I'm having a ball. Oh, I know. Grandkids are the best. Yeah. Um, I have a quick, well, maybe not a quick, but my mom, we had to sell her house this past year, her house, her almost 72 years. She is now in assisted living. Okay. And the money that we gained or whatever from selling the house is being used to maintain her in assisted living. She was home with AIDS for a year, um, but we literally ran out of money, so we had to sell the house. So my question to you is, um, do we have to pay capital gains on the house if all of that money is used for her care? As far as I know, yes. And I would double check with an accountant, but I know that the stepped up basis is only available at death. And I don't know that there's a way around it. I'm not an accountant. I definitely would double check with the CPA, Donna. Okay. what you're talking about is this, and let me just for general, for other people who are listening. So what happens is when you purchase something, let's talk about real estate, the purchase price that you bought it for is called your basis. And when you sell it, it's called your amount realized. And the Mm -hmm. difference between the amount realized and the basis, uh, if the amount realized is more than the basis, that difference is called the gain, your profit, right? On the house. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the uh, federal government, as well as the state of Connecticut, tax, uh, I believe it's a combined total of of 20% on that gain. So you'd have to pay 20% of your profit back to the back to the um, government. But you know, you know, and so the exception to that, or not the exception, but one of the gimmies is that when somebody dies, they die with what we call a stepped up basis, which means that no matter what they paid for it, the amount that counts in terms of the basis is the fair market value of the house on the date of death. And so the difference between the amount realized what you've sold it for and how much it was worth on the date of death becomes your gain. And typically it's very small because you, if you sell it close to death, it's what you thought it was worth. So there's, there is no gain and you don't have to pay capital gains. The one thing I would, t- and I don't know of any except exception to this, Donna. I don't know of any exception, but I would say this, Donna. Is it possible or in fact likely that in 72 years, your mother made a lot of improvements to the house over that time? Yes, but not... Um, I mean, they added out a room and the house is well maintained, but not like, you know, uh, not enough, not new kitchens, new yeah. bathrooms, yeah. you know, yes, yeah. the new bathroom is updated, but <clears throat> not, not enough you know, to not, raise the uh, basis substantially. Yeah. Yeah. Not enough. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I have to tell you, I think. I, number one, obviously, you did the right thing. You did what you're supposed to do. It's her money, and it has to be used for her care. I don't know an exception in the tax law that says that if the money is used for X or Y or Z, you get out of a capital gains tax. I have not heard of one if there is one. What What if there is no money left? What do you mean by that? I mean, we've been taking care of her with this money. This is, you know, we'll be filing income tax this year. But what if the money that we gained from the house, selling the house, is used up in her in her care before we, you know, before she dies and we, uh, which well, is unlikely. Well, don't you file, doesn't she file tax returns every year? She has not. 
um, except for the oh. last two years. She has no income. Oh, so in other she words, no the federal. Income. So in other words, the federal government doesn't know about her for a while, right? Sort of been asleep. She hasn't been filing tax returns for a while. Is that what you're saying? She did last year, and she will have to this year. Okay. Okay. Your accountant is definitely going to report the sale of the house. Mm-hmm. Because all of a sudden there's, I don't know what she sold, a few hundred thousand dollars, I assume, right? What, what did she get? Mm-hmm. What she get? Okay, let's say three. I'm making it up. Let's say 300000 So if she got the 300000 it's in the bank. It comes from somewhere. Your accountant is going to report it, and your accountant is going to report again. And you're going to have to set aside that money and pay it. And if you, okay. if you if you can't pay it and you don't pay it, then it becomes a debt that her estate owes after she dies. And if it's unpayable because it's otherwise gone to her care and there is no other estate and there is no other money, we have a saying in the world called you can't get blood from a stone and the, <laughs> and the right and the IRS will pick up its marbles and walk to the next person. But OK, but I will yeah, tell I you, so she is, happen. Yeah. we're going to run out of money. And, you know, for care, the, you know, assisted living is over $100,000 a year. Donna, let me ask you something. Is somebody a power of attorney? Is there anybody who's a fiduciary with respect to your mother's money at this point? Well, both my sister and I have joint. Okay. And we have a very good accountant. Okay. So I'm going to tell you something. If you have a joint power of attorney, you have a fiduciary responsibility to manage finances in accordance with law. And you okay. Need to, and you need to set aside 20% of that money, even if you have to grit your teeth and assume, mm-hmm. it is, and assume it is unavailable to her for her care unless you hear otherwise from your accountant. Okay. Perfect. Thank you very much. That was the answer I was looking for. Yeah. You okay. Have to set aside that money. Okay. Yep. Thanks right. a lot. Pleasure. Really appreciate it. Sure. Bye-bye. Bye. Uh, 203-333-9422. And what Donna raises is really critical because we don't talk often enough about fiduciary responsibilities, but when you are acting as agent pursuant to a power of attorney for somebody, you are personally responsible for decisions you make. And if the IRS were to swoop down on Donna and say, wait a minute, you, uh, your mother owed this money, you're a responsible party. I know it might have seemed like the right thing to do to pay for her care first, but we don't see it that way. And so we're now going to come to you for that 20% because you had no right to spend money that was owed to Uncle Sam. My father has always had a saying, and this is his saying. <laughs> you know, he has a lot of sayings. I always quote my dad. <laughs> But one of his sayings is, and he always says this about people who are in business. He always says, they forgot Uncle Sam was their partner. That is what my, and that's the thing that goes through my head all the time. You forget Uncle Sam is your partner. Okay. He's your partner. If you think the IRS is running away from its share of profits and whatever it is you've earned in this capitalist world we love called America, you're wrong. The IRS is your partner for capital gains. It's your partner for ordinary income. It's your partner. And your partner will not be neglected. 203-333-9422. So we've been doing a little bit of Lisa on the law and the way that I can help you by giving you general information. I'm delighted to do so. 203-333-9422. We'll be right back. 
Hey, listen, Donna, Donna from Stratford, I hope you're still listening to me because I do want to say something which I completely forgot to tell you, which is that the federal government does give you a nice little gimme. The first $250,000 of gain that you may have earned on your mother's house, and again, I don't know how much she sold it for, is exempt from that 20%. So that's why it's really important to go to your accountant because by the time you do the 250000 and you figure out what her adjusted basis was in the house, you may not have to do any set aside at all. I don't know how much your gain is because you didn't tell me. If it's a million dollars for single people, the 250000 will help you, but it won't go all the way. But if it's 250000 or less, you have no capital gains at all. So what do I mean by that in English? Let's say you buy a house for $50,000 and you sell it for $350,000. The difference between fifty dollars and dollars is $300,000. That is what we call your gain. Normally, the government would tax you 20% of $300,000 or $60,000 as a set aside. But the law says, you know what? We understand people live in their homes. If it's your primary residence, this is not for investment properties, your primary residence only, and you bought it for 50 and you sell it for 350, right? Then instead of your taxable gain being 300,000, we're going to lop off the first 250 and your taxable gain is only 50,000. 20% of 50,000 is only 10,000. So even though you sold the house for 350, you only have to set aside $10,000 for Uncle Sam. So that's really important and I should have remembered that immediately. Uh, shout out to Al who reminded me of it. And so I wasn't thinking. And that's why once again I say, please speak to your accountant. But remember, as a fiduciary, your primary job is to comply with the law because otherwise you can be personally liable. But on the issue of capital gains and basis for your primary residence, if you're a married couple, you get 500000 If you're a single person, you get two hundred and fifty. And after that, they assess a tax on the gain. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at Lisa at LisaWexler.com.